Oh, they had fun. They had fun. And, and thank you for being a church who supports things like this. And for those of you who volunteered, uh, it's amazing to see our children growing up to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and, or even given the opportunity. We do things like this because God has given us what we know as eternal life. Now, it takes some time for us to understand eternal life, and, and part of what we're going to be talking about today is, is this thing called eternal life. Now, we all love the fact that God gives us these blessings, but sometimes we don't understand that even though God gives us what we call eternal life, there is an adversary, an enemy, who tries to counterfeit what God is trying to give to us. And so in this series that we're calling Counterfeit, we're learning that the devil masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, he is not the light, so he has to masquerade, disguise himself, act as the one true light, which we know as Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. In fact, as we talk about this eternal life, I'm sure during today we're going to be thinking about this life, the life that we live here on this earth. Now, here's the problem with the life that we live on this earth. Get problems. There are many problems that we deal with in the life that we live here on this earth. And the reason is because we live in a sinful society. That's what the devil brought into our world, this thing called sin, which causes us to rebel against God. So now we need a way back to God, and that's why Jesus came. And so when Jesus comes to give life, the devil tries to take it away. God gives us eternal life. The devil presents a temporary life. And he tries to make our life look so good in this temporary world that we hang on tight to it. And so we're going to learn today how God shows us that there is more to life than just this temporary life. And because of eternal life, it will cause us to think better in the life that we live here today, this temporary life. But if you would take out your bulletins with me, there are some notes in there that will help you to follow along. If you have a, a smartphone or some, or some kind of device with our app on it, you can also take that out and it will help you to just take down some notes and, and uh, just to remember some things. Because I thought, you know, in, in high school we would take notes. In college we would take notes. But it's like after college, high school, or even at work, sometimes we feel, I don't need to take notes. Well, we're going to learn today it's very important to when God speaks Write it down. When he says something to you, write it down. And you might think, well, no sense because I'm going to lose my notes. It's okay. When you do something with your hand or even to type it in, just to see it and to put it into practice, just even at that point, does something in our brains. It just links something together. Now, you might be someone who remembers very well and you don't need to write anything down. Well, you're way beyond me because I forget quickly. So you can take notes if you want. But this word, masquerades, that the devil does to disguise himself or to transform himself actually causes us to get distracted from what God is doing. And if Satan himself can change everything about himself to appeal to our senses or, our, or, or to cause us to do different actions than we normally would, then he can actually change the trajectory of our life that God has a plan for and a purpose for. That the, the etymology of counterfeit, that word counterfeit, actually comes from two Latin words. It's contra and facer. And these two words mean, in, with contra, it means in, in opposition. Facer means make. So you put counterfeit together, it's make in opposition. 
you're putting something together, you're, you're making something in the exact imitation of something else that is valuable or important with the intention to deceive or defraud. We see it happening in our world just with products, not just the spiritual side, but even with products. We see people using counterfeit uh, name brands. They'll counterfeit, you know, uh, purses and, and bags. And in fact, counterfeiters, the counterfeit business industry, cost U.S. businesses over $200 billion, that's with a B, $200 billion a year in their economy. Counterfeiters and that business accumulates for over $460 billion a year in revenue. Counterfeiters. This is not even the real deal. This is just counterfeit products. So when it comes to just products alone, you, you try your very best to spot fakes. Or for some of us, we're like, I don't care if it's fake. So long as it looks close enough, I'm good to go. But really, if you want to, there are two bags, Louis Vuitton and, and Coach, that there are counterfeiters that make, you know, counterfeiter uh, bags and, and purses. And they make big bucks off of this. Now, you might try to spot a fake, and, and uh, you need to look for the stitching. You need to look at the quality, the printing. Like, you have to study it in detail to know that it's a fake. Otherwise, just at first glance, you won't even realize it. And it's amazing that we'll, we'll be okay with it for some. In fact, you kind of know it's a fake when the real deal is $2,000, and then they're saying, hey, you can buy this one for 50 bucks. Is this real? Yeah, best deal ever. Wow. And you think it's real, but really it's a cheaper version of the original. And, and that's what happens with the devil himself. When God provides and, and, and presents to us eternal life, the devil comes along and says, but here, here's another life. I have a better life for you. Really? Well, what's, what's the catch? There's no catch. In fact, you don't need to even follow God. It's easier and cheaper, but it's also temporary. And, and maybe you have some fun for a little while. Maybe you have your, the time of your life, but then in the end, you're empty. God says, I'm presenting to you and, and providing to you eternal life. And it starts from this life here on earth. You don't have to wait for eternal life for you to experience eternal life. And God promised that to us. But the devil counterfeits because he can only counterfeit what God does. And so when he counterfeits this eternal life, we think we're okay I remember listening to two coaches, uh, Doc Rivers, coach of, I, I think it's L.A. Clippers, if you're in, uh, you know, you watch sports, uh, and then uh, Tyron Lue, who's, Tyron, uh, Tyron Lue, who's the coach of the uh, Cavaliers. And when they lost in the playoffs, they hid money in the opposing player's locker room so that it would give them confidence and motivation that we're going to come back next year and play them again and get our money back. And they did that. Why did the coaches do that? It was to give them confidence. It gave them the confidence that coach said, we're coming back. And they did. And they came back and got their money. Now, money is, you know, it was only a couple hundred dollars for the NBA players, which is nothing for them. But it was the principle of the coach giving them confidence. And it's amazing what confidence can do when you have it. Confidence is is a good friend to have when facing the unknown. One of the Bible 
apostles, who, whose name is Paul, he gives a, a letter to a man by the name of Titus, and he, he writes this to Titus in the New Testament, and it's in your notes, Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began and now, at just the right time, has revealed this message, which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of God our Savior that I have been entrusted with this work for him. Yeah, Paul says, I, I, I want you to have this confidence of eternal life. That word confidence means to have full trust. And he showed that through, God showed that we could fully trust in him by giving us his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who went all in for us. He didn't go halfway. I mean, how would you feel if, if Jesus went like halfway and that he didn't go all the way to the cross because, oh, it's going to be too painful. I'm going to try to figure out another way. He had to die a perfect death so that you and I could have eternal life. You don't want to go halfway. It's almost like, let's just say you and your spouse are going to get a tattoo because you're committed. It's like, I'm committed to this relationship. I'm going to tattoo your name on my back, tattoo them on my forehead. Yeah, I, that's what I'm going to do. And then your spouse says, oh, I'm committed too, but mine's going to be temporary. I don't like go through the pain. And just in case no work out, I can erase them. Now, there's a difference with the two. One has confidence, the other may not. Well, one is going to be permanent, the other is going to fade away. There's going to be an emptiness. And so it is with God. He says, no, Jesus Christ is going to go all in. He's going to be permanent. He's going to give you everything that he has. The devil, on the other hand, will only give you that which is temporary that will only fade away and will not last. God says, I'm going to give you eternal life that will last forever. So where do we begin when it comes to facing eternal life? How do we, how do we re receive eternal life? Where does that even come from? Do we just trust in God? How, how does that look? Well, here's the first thing we got to understand is that there needs to be an exchange. An exchange. We exchange our life for his. Because of eternal life, we don't have eternal life just presented to us and say, okay, good luck. No, he says there needs to be an exchange. I've given my life for you. That there needs to be an exchange. There needs to be a commitment that you say, I'm going to take in your life for me, God, in exchange for the life that I want for myself and the life that is temporary. I want to exchange that because you have a better life for me. There's a story back in, I believe it was 2005, 2006, that a man traded a red paper clip for items, and it took one year, about a year, and 14 trades, and here's what his trade was. He exchanged this red paper clip because he wanted to do something with his life and live in a house. <clears throat> so he took this, he had a red paper clip on his desk, and so he took the red paper clip, traded it in for a fish pen, or a pen in the shape of a fish, took the fish pen, traded it up for a handmade doorknob, traded that in for a camp stove, traded that in for a 100-watt generator, traded that in for an instant party kit, which was an empty keg and a Budweiser sign, and then traded that for a snowmobile. And then 
traded that for an afternoon with the rock star, Alice Cooper. Traded that for a snow globe from the rock group Kiss. And then that snow globe, he traded that for a paid role in a movie because that person that was going to be in that movie was a collector of snow globes. And then from that part in the movie, he traded that for a beautiful farmhouse. From paperclip to house in a year, 14 exchanges. And I thought, you know, Lord, our life is but a paperclip. But you exchanged our paperclip life for eternal life. That you gave your life so that we could have eternal life. And you give us strength, grace, and forgiveness. It comes with that full package of eternal life. In John chapter 4, I want to read you a story. And we, we know this story as the Samaritan woman. And Jesus is talking with this woman. Now, we got to remember, Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. There's some history to it, and you can check that out later in your Bible. But John chapter 4 starts off in this way. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and he said, you know, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman says, well, give me this drink. I want that. In other words, the Lord is saying there's a temporary life, temporary water, as it were, that will quench your thirst in this life, but you'll become thirsty again. You'll be dissatisfied but then there is a life that I can give to you. There's going to be an exchange that you're not going to thirst no more. You're going to be satisfied with life because of the life that I'm going to give to you. Yeah, you may not like certain circumstances, but you're satisfied in your soul. Otherwise, you're going to chase after everything that you think is going to bring satisfaction to your soul. And so he says there needs to be an exchange. And here's how he does it. In Romans 10 verses 9 and 10, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. See, we do have some wisdom provided to us to live in this world, this life in this world, but not enough for us to take one step into eternal life. And in order for that to happen, we must have an exchange, our life for His, our wisdom for His, our destiny for His. Mark 8.35 tells us, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, the devil doesn't care if you lose your life. He doesn't even care how you lose your life. So long as you lose your life that God has promised to you and I. He, he doesn't care if you lose it so long as you lose it. So if, if the devil doesn't care, then, then what, 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 does, what does God think about it? Where does God come in in all of this? Because if the devil wants us to pour everything we have into this temporary life so that, it be, so that when it becomes difficult or, or times are tough or when life falls apart, we give up on hope, we give up on each other and eventually give up on God, where does God come in? Because human wisdom tells us to survive without God, to find significance in our reputation, to obtain more, to get more things, to blend in with the world, behave like the world, and live according to the trends of the world. And if we're not careful then we'll blend in the world so much so that as Romans 1.25 tells us that we'll exchange, not our life for his, we'll exchange the truth about God for a lie and we'll worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So what is the lie? Well, there are many lies that the devil will throw our way. He'll, he'll say, well, you know, God doesn't care. If God was powerful, then that wouldn't have happened. If God did love you, then you wouldn't go through this. If, if God did exist, then this wouldn't be taking place. Or he'll just say he doesn't exist. He's not all that powerful. And when it comes to eternal life, here's what the counterfeiter wants us to think. This is what the adversary, the devil, wants us to think. And we, he wants us to really ask this question on the negative. And here's the question. If God knew someone was going to hell and be eternally separated from him... Why in the world would he create them? But really, the question is, the true question is, if someone rejects God here on this earth, why would they want to spend eternity with him? I mean, if someone says, well, I, I, I reject God, I don't even want to believe in him, God respects their decision. So God doesn't send people to be eternally separated from him. We choose that. But at the same time, we also choose eternal life with him. He gives us that opportunity because God respects our decision. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 tells us, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. See, God couldn't die for our sins as a spirit, 
because his spirit doesn't die. He needed to become flesh just like us. He needed to experience death to overcome it and then take back the power of death that the devil brought into this world. Not that the devil has power over your life or over death, but he brought death and can cause people to suffer and brought death in our world. But in the sense that the devil brought sin into our world, which caused death both physically and spiritually, God says, listen, I'm going to give you eternal life and I had to come as flesh so that I could overcome the power of the grave and the power of death here on this earth so that you could have eternal life. So now because of Jesus' death on the cross, instead of the fear of dying, we have the hope of eternal life. He gives us that hope. This is why there needs to be that exchange because sometimes we feel hopeless. And that's where the counterfeiter comes in. So make that exchange. Just exchange your life for the one he has for you and I. The second thing we can do is to get to know God. Getting to know God. And there's a difference between knowing about someone and then getting to know God. In fact, when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, the devil was coming to Jesus to, to kind of make Jesus come to a place in life that he denied God that he would deny who he was and then get, get tempted to follow the ways of the devil. And listen to how crafty the devil is. It, Jesus was led by the Spirit. This is Matthew chapter 4. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So physically, he was hungry. The tempter came in and said to Jesus, well, you know, if, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city, to the holy city, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So you can already see that the devil is counterfeiting what God has already said. He'll take even God's word and twist it to counterfeit it so that when he presents it, it doesn't have the same value as when God first gave it. So he even tells Jesus, but it is also, also written, and he quotes scripture. But Jesus said, you know, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. It's like the devil never gives up. He says, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him looking for another opportune time. It's amazing that the devil comes to tempt Jesus with everything Jesus already had. Everything Jesus already had, the devil tries to counterfeit so that Jesus would follow his way rather than the ways of God. And that's how the devil comes in. He's very subtle. That he'll come to you and I and present things that God is already going to bless you with or already has blessed you with. And he'll come in and he'll whisper some things and he'll do the same day in and day out. But God says, don't let him do that. He'll even tell you, live for today. This is, you only live once. Might as well do it. Go for it. 
What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Like he'll give you little things here and there. He knows what to do. Sorry about that, just saying. So don't, don't, don't just get to know about God. Get to know the heart and character about God, of God. Get to know him very well. Because then you'll recognize his voice, but you'll also rest, recognize the tempter's voice, the counterfeit. When Heidi and I first started dating, she would write me letters. And uh, this is in junior high, so she's writing me letters. And, you know, you got to unfold it because it's like folded in this weird thing. And, and so you read the note. And, and so I would read her notes because my friend would give it to me. And my friend knew her, so he would tell me about Heidi because he was going to her school. And so I only knew about Heidi through the letters and what my friend would tell me. But then when we started dating, when I got to know her, it was far more valuable than just the letters itself. And what my friend said, she was way better in person than through letters or what my friend would say. And then as we got to know each other, then of course eventually we got married and I struck it rich with her. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but when I read her letters, it's... It's just about her. And when I think about God, it's a relationship with Him that makes us richer. It's not just knowing about God or reading about Him or listening to other people or podcasts or videos or the news about God or the newspaper or someone's opinion. It's getting to know your God on a personal level. It's getting to know His character. That's why we develop our relationship with Him. See, knowing about someone and, and knowing someone is the difference between reading a book about a person versus spending time with them, getting to know them personally. There is a difference. John chapter 17, verse 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you. This is Jesus speaking. And he's talking about knowing God, that they know you, the, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, the counterfeiter comes in and wants us to use our own way of thinking and our own wisdom to get to know God through circumstances or what the world looks like, what other people say, or how well the world is doing and, and how we feel. And if the world is not doing good, then God is not good. If we don't feel good, then God doesn't do good things. Because the devil knows that if he can cause us to focus more on this temporary life, then we will never pursue the God of eternal life. And if he can just cause us to just believe about God, not necessarily developing this relationship, then we cut short the promises of God. Jesus was explaining his death and resurrection and, and what would take place to his disciples. And, and, that, and, they, and they refuse to receive God's perspective. They're trying to listen to Jesus and they're saying, no, you, you shouldn't, you're not going to go through, what do you mean you're going to die? There's, no, that can't happen. So they're, they're coming from their perspective in what Jesus is saying. And, and so Jesus actually responds. He turns around and looked at his disciples in Mark 8, 33. And he reprimanded Peter, one of his disciples. And he says to Peter, get away from me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now listen very carefully. The devil can even use people's opinions to pull us away from God's truths. That's why you notice that Jesus didn't reprimand Peter and say, Peter, stop saying that. He said, get away from me, Satan. He said, I, I rebuke you, Satan. Now imagine if you're Peter. 
And Jesus is saying, I rebuke you, Satan. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what? It's me, Peter. Don't rebuke me. But what Jesus was speaking to was the spirit behind what Peter was saying. Because Jesus knew where it came from. Why? Because he knows his father. See, when we get to know our father, we're going to very clearly know who's speaking and who's not. Very clearly. See, any human perspective will never allow us to know God. It needs to be through his spirit. That's why when God speaks something to you that draws you closer to him, take his lead. Let him lead. Follow his lead. Don't follow your feelings or the circumstances and, and surely not human wisdom. In fact, John 10, 27 says that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. He's saying, get to know God. Get to know your heavenly Father. Get to know God more than you get to know anybody else. And then the last thing, number three, to stand firm in your faith. That you stand firm. Yeah, it's, it's, faith, faith is fickle. You know, there's some ups and downs. But you stand firm in it. And unless we stand firm, our faith one day will be great and strong. Then the next day it might become weak. But you stand strong in it no matter what. I remember when I was growing up, I would watch people drive because I was, I was small and I was, I was thinking, wow, that looks, that looks fun. Like, I want to drive one day. But I would watch people drive and they would always drive like this. Like, their hands are constantly moving. Some cars are very loose. You know, the steering wheel, like, you got to get them checked. And they just drive like this. And I'm thinking, why aren't we, like, moving all over the place? Why, why, are they keep, why do they keep, moving their, they keep moving their hands? What is the reason? And so by the time I learned to drive, I understood that when you're driving, you're constantly adjusting to go straight. Constantly. You don't, I mean, if you try, you just hang onto your steering wheel for dear life and don't move. Eventually, you will crash. Why? Because there's some turns in the road as well as you will veer off to the side or whatever the case. Maybe your alignment is off. Whatever it is, we need to constantly adjust back to straight, and so it is with our faith. We have to constantly adjust back to straight. Why? Because God gave us eternal life. There's a destiny up ahead. It's not just life here on this earth. There is eternal life. God says, constantly adjust back to me. And we have a tendency for, to forget that we have an enemy. And if we're not firm in our faith, the enemy will come subtly, craftily, slowly. And when our guard is down, he'll pounce on us and counterfeit everything God is trying to do in our life through your faith in him. And here's how he does it. When you feel neglected, maybe by your spouse, the devil provides comfort through some other means rather than your spouse or you feel discouraged, and the devil provides some kind of drug or alcohol to temporarily alter your emotions. Or maybe you feel angry, and the devil provides enough reason to justify your uncontrolled anger or your temper. Or you feel empty, and then the devil comes alongside, and he provides satisfaction through a chain of events that temporarily entertain your emotions. See, the devil will feed you all the way up till you come to a point where you say to yourself, I don't need God anymore. And then he leaves you, the devil leaves you, broken and scarred. 
and separated from God. And for some people, for all of eternity. That's why we do what we do so that we can introduce people to God in the hopes that they find him for all of eternity. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 tells us to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Here's where the devil tries to counterfeit. Jesus is referred to as the Lion of Judah. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion because he can never be the Lion of Judah. He can only prowl around like a roaring lion. Here's the hope. 1 Peter 5.10, it says, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you you have suffered a while, a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Stand firm in your faith. No matter what happens in life, stand firm on your faith. And let's read this last scripture together. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Ready? Go. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Yeah, the Bible instructs that. Why? Because Jesus gives us eternal life. The devil brings eternal death. Because he is in opposition to whatever God gives us. Because he's not mindful of the things of God. He's only mindful of the things of this temporary life. Because he can only see things from a human point of view, which is limited. But God sees things from eternity past and beyond, and he gives us a future. On this 4th of July weekend, let's remember what our founding fathers did in order for us to live in freedom so that we could worship the God who gives us eternal life, that God does still bless America. Let's take a look at this, and then we'll do a couple things after. Thank you.
justice for all. Could you say amen to that? Isn't our God a good God? Can you say thank you to our children? Aren't you proud to be a part of this great country, this great nation? I mean, thank you to our servicemen and women. I know you're here today. We just want to applaud you too. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to pray with me if you bow your heads for a moment. Lord, it is times like this that we're reminded of how good you are. Boy, do we live in a wonderful country. And yes, there may be different opinions on where we're at as a nation, but you never change. You are still the same. We are a nation that is blessed by you. So Lord, today as we declare who you are and as we proclaim how good you are, I pray for those that may have never experienced this eternal life with you. And if you're here today and you're saying, boy, I want that eternal life. I want my life to have that exchange with his. I want my life to be in his hands. And we're going to pray together. And as we pray, may God continue to bless you. And if you want to receive Jesus, here's our prayer. And as you say this prayer, as you repeat after me, mean it with all of your heart. Here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I thank you for washing me clean. Make me into the person that you see me to be. And I declare today on this Independence Weekend that I'm depending on you. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you said that prayer for the first time, would you just lift a hand real briefly? I just want to pray over you. And you're saying, I, I said yes to Jesus. Okay, yeah, God sees you. God bless you. Back there, God sees you. Yeah, God sees you right there. God bless you. Okay. Yeah, God sees you. Yeah, God bless you. Okay, you can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for these that said yes to you. And I pray that this exchange that they have their life now that is in your hands would be a blessed life. I pray for all of us, even as believers, Lord, as we continue to follow you, that we will never forget the eternal life that you have given to us. That yes, the devil prowls around like a lion, a roaring lion, but you are the lion. You are the one who gives us eternal life. So we look to you, we focus on you, and we thank you on this 4th of July weekend for the freedom you have given to all of us to worship you in spirit and in truth. This is what we believe, Lord. In your name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Can we congratulate those and welcome these that said yes to Jesus into the kingdom of God.